Hello, listeners. Welcome to Freelance Friday with Vay Casey. It's a podcast all about freelancing through the opinions and experience of freelancers. Today on the show, got Grant Daniels. Hello, uh, hello. Out here in Fort Worth, Texas at his studio, uh, The Dark Room. And uh, uh, thanks for coming on today, man. Yeah, hey, thanks so much for having me. Um, pumped to talk about everything entrepreneurial and business and life. Yeah, I feel like you've done uh, at least a decent amount of a few different things. We, uh, Grant and I met, has it been like five or six years ago? Yeah, five, or I guess when you shot my wedding. Yeah, maybe six, it was probably six or seven. Yeah, I mean, I think it was probably, that was at the beginning of my freelance career. Yeah, dang, so wild. Because I started in weddings, and so, yeah. 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 I, I, my, if you ever listened to any of my early episodes in the first season, uh, when I talked about how I started, my buddy Jordan Lessig, yep. uh, he and I shot Grant's wedding yeah. years back. And that's how Grant and I know each other. I think like we, we were talking, we might have met a couple of times before that, but that was the yeah. really, the hit. You were there for all the big moments. Yes. Well, dude, why don't you kind of tell people your story a little bit? Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, my, my story um, began, um, I guess, 10 years ago almost. So when I was in high school, I, you know, started you know, picking up a camera and my family to some degree has always kind of had a thread of artistry in it. Like my dad has done painting and, um, some of those other mediums and my mom studied architecture. And so I've kind of always been around the arts and, um, experienced, you know, amazing art and what it is like to create art in my home. So, uh, I, I picked up a camera though. Um, my mom had an old, you know, like I think it was a rebel film camera or something of that degree. Uh, when I was in high school, began playing around, picked it up started my business in high school and, uh, kind of took off from there. So I started senior pictures and as any, uh, high school student with no money, uh, experiences, any money is amazing in high school. So started my business and then, um, went to, went to college and, uh, shot a wedding. Promised myself I'd never shoot weddings because I I thought weddings were cheesy and and terrible and uh, there's no life in them because uh, everything was so forced and posed. But uh, started shooting weddings uh, my freshman year of college, and then by the time I had almost graduated, I had 43 lined up my senior year of college. So I was taking 15 hours shooting weddings and um, didn't really know if I wanted to stay in that world or pursue that part of photography, but I did. So, um, from there got married right out of college, 22, young, fresh. And then my wife Lane joined our business. So we became kind of this husband and wife dynamic duo and, uh, shot weddings for three years together, which was really fun. Great for our marriage. Um, getting to travel and not have to spend weekends apart. And then kind of became the place where we were starting to family plan and just said, Hey, you know, what, what's best for our family and it's best for Lane to be a mom. That's what she wants to do. So she naturally exited Grant Daniels Photography. And then I started shooting solo for the last about year and a half, we kind of gradually transitioned her out. So it wasn't this hard uh, transition where one day she was in and one day she was out. And then uh, at the, around the same time, you know, that's, that was 20, I guess 2018, early 2018. So um, I just started thinking about how do I, you know, well, late 2017, I guess, how do I start diversifying some of that revenue? And that's when I, the idea of the darkroom started kind of materializing in my mind was actually kind of late 2017 when, okay, I think we can do something in Fort Worth that kind of has a creative uh, bent to it that kind of serves as an extra revenue stream, um, but also 
you know, my office and some other forms of creative, uh, a creative outlet for my business and myself. So that's when the darkroom idea came to life. And then, uh, 18, I guess it was February of 18 is when I launched the darkroom, just kind of jumped in and, um, opened, opened the first location, which we had, which was kind of more central Fort Worth, kind of right about a mile South of downtown. And then, uh, yeah, kind of rest is history. So I've shot weddings for eight years now and I love it and, uh, kind of have a different take on what wedding photography is and doesn't have to be this, uh, copy and paste experience. It can be unique and dynamic and different. So now I'm still shooting weddings, running the dark room and, uh, got some other things coming down the pipe. So, yeah. It's pretty awesome, man. You, uh, that's cool that you, I mean, Oh, I'm over here moving your desk around. <laughs> Back up a little bit. It's a stand-up desk. That it's got one of those, odd, those electric yes. stand-up desks. Yes. Like I've got and I accidentally hit the button. No, it's okay. <laughs> just don't break it. It tricked me out. I was like, what is going on? What is it? Desk is moving. Uh, it's interesting that you uh, started so young doing this stuff. Yeah. And kind of building your business even from high school. Uh, it seems like there's at least a decent amount of people that I've talked to that always have these threads from when they're younger kind of carry through into adulthood that they just continue to pursue versus kind of like, Oh, that's not really realistic. I can't, sure. I can't do that. You know, I need to get a real job or whatever. What, what pushed you to like, like where did the inspiration come from to start your business in high school? What kind of like, what, what put your mind in that space and what did you think and how did you work through that? Yeah, totally. So I, I think in high school, it was just a really a happy accident. I mean, I, I was shooting photography, um, and just experimenting, right? Like any, with any entrepreneurial endeavor, like you're going to like AB test things and you're going to try different things and whatever, you know, whatever you enjoy, I think as a human, you're going to, you're going to grab and as a creative person, you're going to gravitate towards that, even though maybe the money is somewhere else. Right. So I think that's where a lot of, you know, photographers get caught up with, Hey, I, I don't love shooting weddings, but I love the money. And that's where burnout happens. Uh, or I, or I love, you know, shooting food photography, but yet I'm stuck in portraits and I just, I can't be around people for eight hours a day or seven hours a day. Uh, and I think that's where that, you know, that friction happens. But for me, you know, um, I think going back to when I started, it was this kind of happy blend of, I was trying different types of photography. So I, I was, I was doing seniors and I knew I didn't want to do seniors forever, but you know, all my friends are seniors. So I have this amazing pool to pull from where I'm giving, I'm undercutting, you know, where I, where I grew up, there's this really established photography studio that was just, you know, they had just the market control over, I mean, they had every senior on lockdown with these amazing deals. And I was able to come in and say, Hey, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll shoot your senior photos for 150 bucks. You get all the files and we get two hours together and you get three outfit changes. And they were like mind blown. This was kind of in the era where, you know, CD, you were delivering photos on CDs and that was kind of a new thing. And then USB drives and now it's, you know, USB drive, what is that? But, uh, so, so now it's, it's a little bit different, but um, in that time, I was able to kind of, you know, be ahead of what the, the the industry was doing, and not revolutionary, but just be ahead of what they were doing traditionally, and and kind of come in and create this, you know, amazing price, amazing. I mean, not amazing quality, but it was okay quality, uh, and that's kind of how I, you know, found that part of my story to make money off of. And then, and then from that, I shot sports for a while. I did like a little internship with the Rangers and I, I don't, I love sports. I will go to games and, um, 
enjoy sports, but I don't think sports is for me. So, uh, and then from there, weddings was kind of the, the next kind of next step for me, whereas it's kind of a mix of, you know, documentary and then others, I, I use a lot of creative lighting and do a lot of, you know, dynamic portraiture. So kind of this mix of almost, almost advertising, but not really, it's a wedding. So I'm not advertising, but it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't know. But like, um, yeah, it's like, maybe this is their wedding photos or maybe this is a, this an is ad weird. for the tuxedo company. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like something like yeah, that. Like, like yeah, it could totally. be, it can maybe be both. Totally. What, a whenever you started doing the photo stuff in high school, were you thinking like, this is a business or are uh, you no, trying to yeah, like approach it like that? You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do until probably like my junior year in college. So, um, when I started shooting photos in high school, it was just a thing. Right. And I think that's a lot of how, we find what mm-hmm. we want to do is we we're, we're in this like purgatory of like living our creative lives as, as they are. And, and from that oftentimes the next step is, is shown to us or like this next idea is birthed. And so I think it's important as a, you know, as a creative entrepreneur to, to not always be looking for the next best thing, but to be just introspective and to be self-aware and like, Hey, where am I at right now? What are my needs as a human? What are my desires as a creative person? And just take small steps like to pivot. And I think what culture and what social media and, and, and the industry says is you have to take this hard right or hard left pivot when you're discontent or when you're not satisfied in your job. And I think it's a slow pivot, right? It's yeah. just one degree yep. or two degrees at a time. And then eventually you'll arrive there, but I don't think it's so dramatic, you know, um, as what people, you know, some people may do that. They may go cold turkey and say, I'm never going to shoot another wedding in my life. That would be risky, right? I, I mean, mean, if you can do that, you can like, do it, go for it. that is very risky though. Yeah. But I don't know. That's what I've found is like all the ideas. And currently, like I've got some things that are really exciting coming down the pipe. And um, yeah, there's just a small little drip, like a mm-hmm. yeah, and it's mm-hmm. not super dramatic. So. That slow burn, that like yeah. long long term game. Totally. So I uh, I'm gonna keep going back to this the high school. So it's just very fascinating to it's me good. that because I I grew up. My father's an entrepreneur. Cool. And so I kind of see things through that mindset. I think that's probably a lot of why I'm an entrepreneur now. Mm-hmm. Cause that just kind of makes sense to me. That's just how in my mind, in a lot of ways, that's just how you do things. But I didn't really start to think about that stuff until probably like my early twenties or mid twenties. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you are already on some level thinking about the photography stuff you were doing as a business. If you I mean, if you had the sense to like check out the competition, so to speak, and see what are they charging for stuff, um, and how can I undercut them, and what can I deliver differently, like where where was your head at in that, and kind of what sparked those thoughts to even look into that stuff or start doing stuff that way. So I think for me, the thing that um, you know made me, I think money was money's money's a great resource. It's a terrible god. So, but I think money was kind of at the forefront of my mind is how do I, how do I make money? I was going to pay for some of my college on my own. So how do I start saving? I had some goals in life. You know, my parents were super generous. They helped me pay for my first car in some ways, but I was responsible for a, a majority of that. Right. And so, um, I think there were certain, like certain decisions made by my parents that kind of teed up this entrepreneurial, um, you know, I guess entrepreneurial desire in me, like, 
they said, Hey, we're not going to pay for your first car. Hey, you're going to pay for some of your college. Hey, you know, um, you're responsible. If you want to go eat out, that's on you. If you want to like that teed me up to want to have this drive to, to go and find out how to make money in sure as heck was not going to go work for someone else. Like I really enjoyed being my own boss. And I think that was the autonomy of being able to choose when I work, what I do, making those decisions on the fly without having to tell anyone or report to anyone was, was really great. Um, you know, of course now it's, it's also great, but it has its downsides, which we can talk about later. But, um, yeah, I think that was kind of at the root of, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, yeah, I think so. so. I don't know. Just always interesting to kind of see where that stuff comes from a little bit. Did you, uh, so you mentioned that you did some like sports stuff mm-hmm. and that you interned with the Rangers? Yeah, it was like a, um, it wasn't an, an official internship. Like I knew, I think it was uh, one, a photography teacher knew a guy who knew a guy who was this, 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 the main Rangers sports photographer. It was like on full time with them. And basically he was like, Hey, come shoot some games and come hang out. And he gave me a pass and we get to go and sit in the pit and do all this. He like lent me a massive 200 and it was great. Um, but for sports, I know I, as a high school student, like I'm here is the year the Rangers almost won the world series. So rip, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it was, it was great, but it just wasn't, for me at the time, like I wanted to be talking to people, interacting with people. And I, I had, I was very limited in what I could do. Now, looking back, I think, you know, I could have capitalized on some opportunity there and, and done some, like pitched some ideas. Um, that's not where my mind or my creativity or my skill was, but, um, you know, I, um, I, I like sports. It's, it's, it was good. It, it wasn't like terrible. Like, yeah. I'm, I was really thankful for the opportunity. Like, I think it just was, it was able to just cross off the list what I didn't want to do for I the rest of my life. Do this. I'll, I'll definitely shoot sports. If someone said, Hey, go shoot the Rangers. I'd be like, heck yeah, that'd be awesome. Like I would totally do that. Did you, did you know before you were doing that, that you didn't, or that you wanted to do stuff where you're more engaged with people? No, I had no clue. And that's why it was important for me to like take every opportunity, right? Like that's why mm-hmm. I started, tried shooting a wedding. And that's why I tried. That's why now I'm I, right now I'm doing food photography for the latter half of this day, like today on this Monday or whatever today is. Um, yeah, I'm just trying it out. I'm just trying to see what is in, enjoyable, you know, like what, what sparks. I mean, I think there's a, there's, there's a balance, right? Like mm-hmm. I think if anyone thinks that like you can be locked into this certain type of photography for the rest of your life, I think it's important to like go outside that every few months or every few years or every week and try something else. Cause you, you change, right? Like you get older, you change, your desires change, your interests change. And to, to go outside of that is as a creative important to stretch yourself, to challenge yourself and to not be the same, right? Like, yeah, grow, change. Yeah, Cause I feel like it, it, like if you're only shooting weddings, hmm. it, it, it can feel very sterile or very like the same thing all totally. the time. Yeah, totally. Um, maybe you, maybe you've been able to make a connection with people that you're shooting or something that's made it not that way totally. for you. Yeah. But I could see even still there being some kind of repetitiveness to it that shooting other stuff or getting outside of that would help you kind of get a little bit of a, like a relief from that maybe kind of like, um, and maybe you think about something differently or decide to start shooting stuff a little bit differently Mm. or I don't know. So, so after you're doing the sports stuff and you figure out that you're like, okay, I want to do stuff 
like with people more or whatever? Like what was kind of your thought process through that? And, and I guess your path as you're like kind of figuring out what you want. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, when I started, when I got into college, I started shooting weddings and I actually second shot for a photographer in, I went to Texas A&M. So it's for college station. There was an awesome photographer, uh, named Ryan price. And he let me second shoot for him. So I was, I think I approached him and super gracious and, uh, definitely took a risk on me cause I had never shot a wedding before. Uh, but I, I started shooting him and initially I didn't really like weddings. Like I shot a few weddings with Ryan and I'm just like, I don't know if this is for me. And, and then it kind of evolves, right? Like I started thinking about it more, started, you know, yeah, it's just kind of this experiment of what do I want to do? And and, and in college you're searching or in those early Uh twenties, you're just, or late teens, you're searching and trying to figure out, you know, what do I, this is the rest of my life. You know, what do I, what do I want to do? And, uh, I kind of reached this crossroads, like my, probably my sophomore year, my junior year where I, I wanted to shoot weddings, but I didn't want to shoot weddings, how the industry shot weddings. Um, this was the Mason jar burlap, fad that was going on and uh you know everything was it was pretty light and bright at that time and you know now we're orange and dark but yeah um so you're saying you you were like around when that stuff was kind of going on and that yeah. was something that you like weren't interested in that so right. much yep we were yeah that was that was all going that was all going on and that, that didn't interest me i think creative portraiture really interested me and so how do i marry that with <laughs> no pun intended with, with wedding <laughs> photography and, um, like hard light and, you know, there's, there's a, there's, yeah, there's a lot to that, but how do I shoot weddings and not be the wedding photographer that you, that you find and that looks like everyone else, right? Like, how do you, how do you do this differently? In addition to that, how do you treat your client process differently? How do you interact and love and, just be there for your clients in a way that is not a transaction. It's a relationship and it's a friendship and it's not, I'm in and out and I never send you an anniversary gift or think about you again, but it's, Hey, this is a, this is a long, long play for me. Um, ultimately like I care about you as a human more than I care about you as a business. And ultimately, yes, you're paying my bills. You're putting a roof over my head. I'm thankful for that. But you and who you are as a person is more important to me. Um, ultimately at the end of the day, if you're having, you know, if it's a wedding and it's not the right time for the shot, great. We don't have to get the shot. You, you are more important. Your emotion and your memories, um, are important. And there's kind of that tension there between how do you manage people, your clients, you know, their expectations on a wedding day. And then your job is also to capture the day. So that's a constant tension, but I love living in that tension. Uh, it's, it's fun. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. So then how did, I could see how that would make it to where it's like a lot more enjoyable to do this stuff yeah, to totally. like shoot weddings, yeah. especially, I mean, you were shooting weddings before you got married, right? Yeah. I'd shot like maybe, uh, 80, 70 or 80 weddings okay. before I got married. Did anything shift in the way that you approach business, the way you thought about stuff after, after you were married totally. at all? Kind of like what did, what, what happened with that? Totally. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, a lot shifted. And I think a lot changed when my wife entered the business um, because she brought this like feminine touch or like emotional awareness. Uh, and as, as a man and as a male, I would say I'm pretty, 
uh, self-aware and emotion in touch with my emotions, but in, and with, you know, what, what someone's feeling and what is going on, but she, she brought a whole new level of that. So when I would send an email out and she would say, Ooh, I wouldn't have said that or and not in a condescending way, but just as a helpful kind of refining, um, cog in our business wheel. Like she was able to really dial in a lot of our process and, and help to refine kind of, you know, our business and who I am today is, is largely in, in part shaped by who she is and how she handles, you know, relationships and how she would handle that moment on a wedding day with grace and humility and gentleness where I'm a little bit more aggressive and I like to sink my teeth in and I'm, I'm not as, uh, you know, as gentle she, and I'm harp, I'm talking about emotion a lot, but I think it's in being a wedding photographer, it's really important to, to understand, you know, you know, nonverbals and, and, and who people are and how they tick and, and what's going on and being a self-aware. I think I've mentioned that a few times, but just, um, there's a, there's a place and a time for a word or a thought or, um, an action. So, um, yeah, I think since I got married, a lot of that's changed. And, um, also I've recognized now that like I have a nine month old at home, my, my desire to shoot weddings is still there, but I don't want to shoot 40 weddings a year and I'm not, I'm shooting 20 a year. And so I've halved that in an effort to be just home more. Like I don't want to be shooting a wedding every weekend. I want to see my daughter grow up. I want to see, I want to actually invest in my family and not look up in 10 years and, and say, wow, where did the time go? You yeah. Know? So, um, you know, as, as you move through like life, whether you're married or not, like things change. And so going back to what I said earlier, it's important to like adapt to that as a business owner and to have priorities and to have, you know, it's, it's just important. So, um, so whenever you have like a, 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 uh, somebody come to you yeah, that's interested in shooting a wedding, like what's your process look like as far as all that? Cause I would imagine there's probably something in place that helps you, um, I guess kind of vet, the couples that you're potentially going to shoot yeah, for? That's a really good question. Uh, I think for me, it, it starts before they reach out, right? Like when a couple lands on my site, I want them to do one of two things. I want them to reach out immediately because this guy's amazing and we need to have him for our wedding. Or I want them to run. <laughs> I want them to, to leave and never come back. Because for me, having a client that is on board with my process, that's excited to work with me is at the center of what I do because my process is so creative. It is so dynamic. And, um, if someone's like, mm, he's just good cause he's expensive or he's just good because he's, he's got that photo, but I'm not really crazy about the rest. We're not a great fit. And so when they land on my site or when they see my feed, I want them to be all in or all out from there. A lot of my copy on my site is very, it's just different. Like it's not the traditional, photo of me. It's like my family. Like I want people to connect with my family. I have two dogs. I want them to, you know, even if they don't like dogs, I want them to connect and, and know that there's a person behind this business that brings a unique set of skills and, uh, experience to the table rather than just let's hire him because he's expensive. Let's hire him because he's cheap. Let's hire him in or, or what the normal bride is going through her mind at that point. So, um, that's the first thing when someone reaches out, they, you know, reach out through a contact form on my side or I'll get an Instagram message or, sometimes a phone call from a planner or something like that. And on, on the, on the contact form, if, if there's a phone number listed, I will pick up the phone and call them within 30 seconds of receiving the email. I won't wait. I won't wait a day or two. I will, if I'm, if it's office hours, it's eight to five, I'm going to pick up that phone and you'd be surprised how many brides are like, 
whoa, I, sh- I shot him an email and he called me in 30 seconds or a minute. That's pretty amazing. And there's just this relationship that's formed immediately. Even if they don't work with me, totally cool. I want them to work with me, but I, I, I want them to feel uh, a connection. I want them to feel like I'm on their team. I'm in their corner. I want to help them. I'm, I'm there to just be available. And so I'm not always available because I have my, my family. And if, if a bride calls me at 9am on a Saturday, I'm off. I'm probably not going to answer unless it's an emergency, but, um, yeah, it's just important to me to like be prompt, be clear, check punctuation. Yeah. Have you always been that way? No. What, what, what pushed you to start adopting that or yeah, no, it's another good question. Yeah. I haven't always been that way. I, um, I think I went through a a season of probably three or four years where I was just figuring it out, you know, and you kind of, when you don't know what you don't know, you kind of look around to the heroes in the wedding industry and kind of see, okay, what are they doing? How can I copy them without copying them? They're successful, or at least they have the appearance of success. And there's a few photographers, you know, I was drawn to, um, and you know, um, yeah. So I, 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 uh, I went through a season of trying to figure that out as everyone does and still figuring that out, you know, like I ch- I'm changing the copy on my website every few weeks. I'm, I just changed, I just completely scrapped my website three weeks ago and rebuilt it because, and it was just, you know, I just, I just didn't like it. And it, it, <laughs> my, my voice has changed in the season since having a, a, a girl or having a baby now, a girl, um, you know, I think what, what I'm looking for in my clients is different, you know, not necessarily, it's not always about what they're looking for in you. I mean, I'm, I'm looking for the higher clientele that's going to care more about wedding photos. That's going to, um, you know, see see me as an investment rather than a transaction. And, you know, with that comes different. Yeah. You know? I mean, cause you're investing in them too. Absolutely. And so you need to be able to have somebody that's going to invest in you equally yeah, yeah, totally. and in the process, because I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to get out of it what they're wanting really. Exactly. If they're not willing to invest into it, like you need them to invest into it emotionally. Yes, absolutely. And financially yes. for you to be able to invest. Absolutely. Into it. Yeah. And that, that's really, yeah. And that's what it's about is, is expectations. You know, like when a client comes and they sit at the table with me on our first client meeting, I'm, I'm laying it all out. Like I'm telling them what I do, what I don't do, who I am, who I'm not. We're the right fit if, you know, X, Y, or Z. And ultimately, I don't really sit down with that many clients. Most of my clients are, we want to book you. Let's get this done. Let's what, tell me about your, you know, pricing and your experience and well, hop on a phone call with them. Maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's an hour, you know, but it's, it's quick. It's, it's not a lot of haggling or, you know, negotiating. It's here's what I charge. You pay it or you don't. That sounds arrogant, but I don't do a lot of negotiating, um, which I think is is hard if you're starting out, right? If you're just yeah. trying to shoot weddings and you're it's like, like, I've got to, I need I, money. Yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta build my portfolio. I gotta, and there's that tension, and there was for me when I started shooting weddings. You know, I I charged more, probably more than I should have for my first wedding when I shot the wedding. But then looking back, I'm like, they got a really good value. Like. I worked really hard to make their experience for my first wedding solo. They got an amazing, I, I worked so hard. I edited those photos for probably 30 hours, you know, I mean, uh-huh. it's, it was, and now my, that's much less, but, uh, I don't know. So it's, it's always that tension. And that's why, you know, second shooting is, is really helpful, you know, going and being able to 
to see what another photographer's process is and what, what you like about them, what you don't like about them or assisting on a job or, uh, that's the best free. Do you still do that stuff now? Uh, yeah, I'll second shoot from time to time. Uh, it's, uh, I've got a friend in Dallas, Sean Maneri, so yep. he's great. And uh, he shoots for me. I'll shoot for him if they need a third because he, uh, you know, his wife Shannon is a part of their business. Mm -hmm. So they've really um, blown up, man. Yeah, I mean, he's always been killing it, Sean's but that's amazing. He just keeps growing, I feel like. He's amazing. So, and he's doing architecture now too, which is really yeah. cool. So I'm proud of him. So, um, yeah, but we shoot for each other and, um, you know, whoever, whoever needs me, but it's hard. Cause it, now, you know, if second shooting is, a, is great, but it, now that I'm half a baby girl and I'm only shooting 20 weddings and I've got the dark room, which is, you know, a full in motion, you know, thing over, over here in Fort Worth, there's not a lot of extra weekends to give away. Right. Um, so there's, so then I imagine the dark room probably makes up for the difference in what you're not making off of the yeah, exactly. All the other stuff. Yeah. How many studios do you have with the dark? Because it sounded like you said you have maybe a couple locations. At this point. Yeah. So um, I have this one building, and then we have two rooms in it. Okay. So they're they're both catered to completely different looks. So um, we were over at, at another studio, um, like I was talking about earlier, kind of south of downtown, and uh, it was when I decided to just make the jump. That was probably the riskiest business decision of my life. Like as as weird as that sounds, it, opening the dark room was a leap for me because I don't I'm signing this lease and I don't know if it's, I don't know if people are going to rent this thing. And so if not, I'm out thousands of dollars a month. And, uh, one of those things I kind of just had to trust God and say, okay, this is where I feel like you're leading me and, um, let's make the jump. And if not, you're going to provide, uh, cause you're faithful. So, uh, I, I did it and people showed up and they bought in and they chose to use us. And that was amazing. And, uh, that studio ended up not working out just based on some building issues. So we moved over here where we are now off eighth Avenue here in Fort Worth. And, uh, yeah, we have the room one, which is a really bright light space. And so it's, it's great for film photographers. It's great for Christmas. You know, the mom that's doing Christmas minis for all of her family clients that just needs a white space that they can decorate. Uh, it's also great for, uh, you know, advertising and, and anyone that's wanting to shoot kind of, creative portraiture with like kind of a white slate to it. And then we have room two, which is our back room. It's about 2,500 square feet and, uh, it's a little bit darker, uh, a little bit moodier. It's got some other creative tools, you know, video tools, like quasar tubes, and we offer, um, a haze machine and, uh, it's, it's some cool stuff. So both studios are, are, are built to help people be creative. That's like our goal. So we want to build community around creativity in Fort Worth, Fort Worth is booming right now. It's a really exciting time to live here. And so um, there is uh, kind of this hum of creativity that is that is growing. And it's, it's really exciting yeah. to be here. So It's been interesting kind of to observe it from a distance. Mm. Hitting these buttons on this desk again. <laughs> it's been interesting to observe it from a distance. Because I, I live in Dallas and I've always kind of... I mean, you know, there's this like Dallas versus Fort Worth thing, yeah. uh, which is weird. Yeah, the older yeah, I get, the yeah. more I'm like, this is kind of weird. Fort Worth is better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Are you from Fort Worth? Uh, and I grew up in Austin. Okay. And then Arlington is home for my family. Okay. So you're, you can, you're being unbiased. I'm being unbiased. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, I chose Fort Worth, yeah. but okay. Okay. it was purely from a cost uh, of living. But it's been interesting to see kind of from a distance over the last few years as the creative stuff has kind of started to um, develop and grow a bit. Uh, you mentioned that with the dark room, 
that you're also like, like you're focused on like kind of helping provide a space for people to be able to be, be able to be creative, but also community. Is there anything specifically that you're doing to try to kind of foster that community stuff? Yeah, totally. I think the first thing for us starts with relationships. So when someone comes into the dark room, uh, 98% of the time we want to have a staff member or me on site just to greet him and say, Hey, what's up? Tell me about what you're doing. Anything we can do to make this shoot go better for you. And, um, almost being like a little assistant there to help them. Hey, unload your car. Oh, you need some clamps. You need some gaff tape. Oh, you need command strips, like anything you need. We've got it here at the dark room for the most part. And, uh, just being someone that is a friend, um, where they come back, they, they know that there's rapport there, there's equity in that relationship. And, um, they feel confident walking into a reservation as a repeat customer, right? That's mm-hmm. the goal. Let's have people come back more than once, not just turn and burn. So, um, that's the first part of our community kind of, um, I don't know, initiative. The second is we've got some other exciting things coming down the pipe. We're um, hopefully going to be doing a, um, a, like a creative forum night. So, um, opening up the space for Fort Worth creatives to come and connect and, um, having someone come and talk about, um, something they're really good at. So someone come and talk about SEO for a night and you can just come and listen and learn how to, you know, grow your business in that way. Or, you know, maybe someone comes and talks about, um, branding or, um, Hey, here's how we, here's how you do, you know, lighting with a single flash or here's how, you know, as a wedding photographer, maybe I'll talk at one. It's about wedding photography and, and how to grow that and, and grow your client base. So, um, I think there's that, and then there's a few other things that we've got that are kind of top secret that we're, that are coming down the pipe. So cool, man. Um, I'm excited to see what y'all do. Yeah. It'll be fun. Uh, it's interesting as you mentioned that the like, well, the goal is to like have the repeat business and have them come back and which is very, in some ways different from your other business, the wedding photography stuff, totally. because it's like, well, I hope that I never get repeat business yeah, for totally. this person I again. I want to repeat wedding. Yeah, <laughs> that's not good. I mean, unless it's like a, Hey, we're redoing our vows yeah, or yeah, like, we want to no, come like, that's what I was shoots yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, I mean, and it's with kinda, wedding photography too, you know, I, I hope they come back for when they have kids or if they get some dogs, like that's a huge part of my long, long term strategy is I want to be involved in their life for more than just their mm. wedding. So, so that's just kind of the starting point for you, basically. Kind of a starting point is that I get older, you know, I'm going to have more kids. Therefore I'm going to connect more with their, right. like, like as a 20 year old shooting family photos, that's not what I am now, but when I was 20 and I was shooting family photos, super hard to connect with these families. Like you're, you're like, eight year old, I just don't know how to make him control himself. I don't know how to make you guys kind of this family photo come together. And now as a a dad with a a nine month old, like I can walk confidently into a session. That's a family session with a nine month old and be like, okay, this is probably what this baby needs. This, Mm -hmm. this baby has, you know, a runway of six minutes to get these photos before (laughs) it loses its mind. And so let's knock it out. Whereas before you just don't have that life experience. And so, and with weddings, that's kind of the same way. It goes back onto your question, what you asked earlier about how has your business changed? Well, now being married and going through engagement, I, I kind of know what that's like for a couple going through engagement. And so I, oftentimes our life experiences, you know, will shape and change the way that we run our business. And so, and it's okay to accept that, you know, I think it can work for us in positive ways. Do you ever find yourself being, uh, it sounds like so much of what you do is, 
really experience based and and while yeah I'm shooting photos for them it's not just about shooting photos and, and giving them great photos or yeah while they're renting studio from me it's not just about providing a space for them to shoot stuff it's like about it seems like it's about the relationships yes. more than that and it's about the experience uh, have, has it always been that way or or did you ever focus more on the product more? Yeah, it's a good question. I think with the dark room, it's definitely more, I mean, it is relationship focused, right? Mm -hmm. But my goal at the end of the day is to provide a clean, amazing studio for people to create work in. And if I am the center point of their experience at the dark room, I think it's a miss on some level. Like I want to be a cog in the wheel of their experience at the dark room but they're here for themselves or they're here for their clients. And so how to, rather than letting it be about, you know, us in the dark room, how do we play a supporting role in that and make it about them and their clients having an amazing experience, like with experience being the center and, and rally around that and, and support them. Um, and so I think the dark room is more, um, experience focused, you know, rather than relationship focused, all their relationships kind of support the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the dark room it's, itself is an experience. It's a product. Um, you're coming, you're receiving something from us in exchange for money. So you're getting, there's a transaction going on. And so making that, um, uh, you know, something they want to come back to, like you go and you buy toothpaste every three months or maybe it's a year or whatever, but you know, what, what makes that toothpaste amazing? Well, it tastes good and foams well, and you know, it, it, it doesn't leave this aftertaste in your mouth. And so, you know, having that same type of experience with the dark room, um, I don't know why I said toothpaste, but that was the first thing. So the dark room won't foam in my mouth? No, not, well, okay. if, it's if, good. It's good. if it, yeah, it can, it can, it, it's not, yeah, recommended. How would you go about that? Uh, probably know. eating <laughs> chemicals that we use to clean our floors. <sighs> maybe not. Maybe that's for another time. Yeah, that's definitely another time. <laughs> what a different podcast. What with your, I don't know, kind of jumping back and forth no, here, but whatever. Yeah, uh, jump it. with with the the photography stuff, mm, yeah. you talk about like uh, longer term and. Because there's opportunity there to get recurring business from them, sure. though it's not going to be, it, it might be wedding stuff again, but it would be like potentially like family or like friends of theirs yeah, or totally. maybe their kids in like 20 years. Oh yeah, their kids get married. I don't know if I want to be shooting weddings in 20 years or 30 years. Yeah. Maybe I will. I don't know. I mean, it could happen. That could be you, cool. you never know. Never know. Like, yeah, I shot their parents' wedding. I shot their grandparents' yeah, wedding. Now I'm doing it again. <laughs> Grab my cane. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. By that point, you can be a photographer. You know, you just sit over to the side of the drone. Yes. Just flying around and shooting. I don't know. I, I don't I think I'm a drone. Be. Yeah. <laughs> I am a, I am a camera. I am a camera. Wow. Foaming at the So mouth. what do you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you do to, try to, to like continue fostering those relationships with people after you shot their wedding versus just like, Oh, well, thanks. Yeah. See I you. enjoyed it. There's your photos. Have a good life. Yeah. See ya. Uh, I think for me, you know, um, there's a few, a few strategies. Number one, anniversary gifts. So I try to, and I say try to, but I, I uh, I'm, in, I'm on the hunt for a new studio manager right now. Uh, so she, she would typically handle all of that. So, uh, I, I, I send out anniversary gifts to my, to my couples. So say, Hey, we're celebrating you one year. Amazing. Here's a little gift for you. Um, 
and then just keeping keeping up with them and that's really hard when you've shot like 300 weddings yeah. and you're like you have yeah. 600 people that you're following on Instagram and how do you <laughs> keep up with all of them um, but even if it's once every few months and you see an Insta story or you know they have a baby or you know like let's just let's just keep um, that equity there let's keep growing growing that and I'm, I'm going to be the first to admit that I haven't done that with every single one of my couples like I think it's impossible to do that but you know owning, owning your part in the long-term relationship and, and trying the best that you can, cause you're still human, you know? Yeah. Um, unless you have a, a, you know, multiple people working for you that can execute that and you're generating massive amounts of revenue, um, which is possible. So, um, anything's possible. So. Yeah. It's, it's, I find it very, uh, beneficial to start focusing more on the experience. Not, not to say that I'm not focused on the product that I'm providing, like what I'm shooting and editing and delivering to the clients. But I used to spend so much time uh, just focused on that. Like, this is what they're hiring me for. I run a lean crew. It's me by myself most of the time. Just knock it out. Yeah. Not thinking like, oh, dude, this person's not on set all the time. They don't, like, this is like their day out of the office or or whatever it is. And to where it's like, oh, yeah, I want to provide an experience now and more and more. It's about like, how can this day be super awesome and fun for them to be here working with me? Yeah. Like how do you celebrate people? Well, yeah. Is, is, Cause that's what weddings are a celebration for some, for not all people, but for most people, they're a celebration. Uh, so how do you, how do you amplify the celebration? You know? Mm-hmm. And the chances are, if you shoot weddings, there's bridesmaids and groomsmen that have been in weddings with other photographers before. And so it's often a comment I receive on a wedding day from a bridesmaid or, or a groomsman after we, you know, finish the day wrapping up or packing up or after we shoot some photos of the bridesmaids, we're like, wow, that was, a, that was so much quicker than other weddings or that was way more creative or way more stress-free. And that's my goal. I want to be, I want to be at the top of, you know, a bridesmaid's mind when she goes to get married in three years. Like, oh, who was that guy that shot my friend? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it was Grant. It was Grant Daniels. Yeah, cool. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's reach out to him. He made it so easy because it felt like a friendship. And I received that comment a lot and not because I'm this amazing friendship, you know, cultivator, but just because on the wedding day itself, I'm, I'm focused on getting the moments, but I'm focused on people because they're people. They're not Mm -hmm. just clients and they're not just these, you know, money making machines. They're, they're people and they have desires and joys and hurts and hopes and all these things that make them human. Right. Yeah. So like recognizing that and like I said, being sensitive to that and, it's not a huge part of like what I think about not to my day to day. Like it's right. funny that we're talking about it now because it's not, uh, it's not something that I'm like constantly thinking about. It's just kind of like a part of how I run my business now. But you know, it's important to think about those things and it wasn't how I always thought either. I mean, it's kind of an evolution and it'll mm-hmm. continue to change, you know? Um, you ever have, I'm, I'm sure you've had this and it always cracked me up whenever I shot weddings, how, yeah, people come up to me towards the end of the mm-hmm. day or something, be like, "Oh my gosh, you've done such a great job! You're amazing! Like yeah. you haven't seen any of my images. You haven't seen, yeah." And that's, but I think it goes the more. I never really understood that, but as I've started to think more about the experiential part of projects, yes. call them projects, that that's what they were commenting on. They weren't commenting on if I t- took great photos or not. Mm-hmm. It was the experience that they had yes. dealing with me. Yes. I mean, I think of Chick-fil-A, right? Yeah. Like the experience of Chick-fil-A, amazing. Oh, every incredible. Consistency. Yep. yep. I mean, 
customer service out of this world. Now I've met a few Chick-fil-A employees in my life that have been subpar, but why do I keep going back to Chick-fil-A? Because as a whole, as a business, they're just, they're just, they're a machine, you know, mm-hmm. and they have culture on lock and they, they know what they're doing and they care about their people. So I think if you care about people first and, you know, at the end of the day, yes, I'm running a business. Okay. But I feel, and I feel really passionate about this, which is why I'm speaking so emphatically right now. But I think just people matter, you know, and, and especially in business, um, they matter and, and, and who they are and, and listening to your clients and the client is always right. Always right. Except when they're not 1% of the Can time. you explain like some of the differences there and how, like how that works out in your mind? Yeah, I think, well, especially for weddings, right? Like they are, this is a, this is an emotionally loaded season of their life. And it's different than, you know, I own a uh, soap company and I'm hiring you to shoot all my soaps. Okay. That's, that's, that's pretty business for me. Like, yeah. yeah, people matter at the end of the day, but that's, that's pretty business. So, but with weddings, you know, you're kind of walking on thin ice. Um, and not to say that anyone's emotionally unstable or that, you know, there's anything wrong with a bride or a groom or a family, but you have this opportunity to kind of scoop in and be the hero and to make someone feel like they matter and, and validate someone's emotions. Now, albeit they may not always be correct. And so that's why I say a lot, you know, and someone, one of my friends tells me, you know, your feelings are real, but they're not always reliable. Yep. So um, whatever someone's feeling, you know, that's, that's real. They're feeling that. And so when I say the client's always right, um, yeah, what they're feeling is totally valid. So validating that first and then, you know, maybe moving towards a solution or making something right. And, um, I've had a few crazy clients in my day. Like I've had three, um, that I've just, I can't talk about them cause there's NDAs, but, uh, you know, they've been, they've been wild, but at the end of the day, they were still right. And I chose to just close the chapter and move on and kind of let my pride go. Um, even though I thought they were, um, really wrong. So have you ever had times whenever you haven't and you've, I know a lot of this that we're talking about is like very vague right now. Totally. Yeah. But it's just okay. Like I get it. It's just kind of unfortunately how it is sometimes. Um, but have there been times like sticky situations with clients where they have, like you haven't taken the approach of the client's always right and pushed back or whatever and things not gone well or burned bridges or anything like that? Yeah, no, no really burned bridges. Like I said, I've had three clients that have been, that have been tough, like really tough, like almost to court tough. Wow. Uh, yeah, like lawsuit at my, in my mailbox, like tough. But, um, at the end of the day, like is, is my emotional, uh, duress and what it's going to mean for my family and my business worth it to like, let my pride get in the way of that. Uh, I can't, I gotta be careful. I can't say much. So I think, I think no. And so I, that's, that's on the other end of what you just asked. So I, I, you know, within that situation, I just let it go. Like, okay, you can have what you want. We're going to get out of here. We're going to run our life. There's more to, there's more to business. Yeah. More it's life. just not worth, not worth the time. It. It's, it's not, not worth, worth it. it. Not worth it. And there's, there's, there's some crazy people out there that, mm-hmm. that want to take advantage of you. And for me, I, I don't have, I haven't had that happen in five, four years because on the front end, you know, my, my contract is rock solid. You know, I'm, I'm almost screening my clients before I, before I book them. Like they have 
they've got to go, like I was talking about before, they got to go to my website. They got to feel connection. And if they feel that, then in my contracts are rock solid and my expectations are, you know, set up front during my client meeting. There's no, there's no misses. Like right. there's, there's nothing that a client's going to, and, and if it is, it's a small miss. It's, Oh, I thought we got 50 prints in our package. Oh yeah. Well, actually no, no worries. Just, just here's 50 prints. And they're like, wait, really? Yeah, oh, for sure. And a lot of times people expect resistance when they come to you with a problem because people are just, that's, that's the world we live in. You can, you know, go to Amazon. You can say, I didn't get my package or it didn't arrive on time. And Amazon will just comply and give you the refund or fix it. And people expect resistance. Um, that's not to say Amazon is resistance, but they expect it. And so by going the opposite direction and being kind and, and giving some to your clients, that's almost built into my cost. Like for them to come to me and say, Hey, you know, is it possible to arrive or the wedding goes late and it's 20 minutes late and I'm not going to bill them for that. It's fine. Here's 20 minutes. Congratulations. You just, you know, got a little bit more out of your 10 hour day that you booked than right. someone else. Right. But you know, it's give and take. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It does. It makes me think of my, my dad used to always tell me when I was a kid, uh, sometimes it's better to do the right thing than to be right. Yeah, totally. And, and it does really come back to like killing and pride of just like, Oh, I want things my way and this and, and nope, I'm going to sacrifice for this other person and kind of surrender my way for them. Totally. Uh, you mentioned contracts and you said you had a rock solid contracts with the wedding stuff. Where, where, where did you develop that from or get that? And how did you get to where it is now? Yeah, I think it was originally, um, from another wedding photographer. I got my first contract and then just you know, over the years I've just added to it. So I probably received a contract that was when I got my contract eight years ago, it was probably 60% of what I have today. And I've added that extra 40% as I've shot weddings. So added a clause about uh, d- damage to the wedding dress on, 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 on the day. So if I'm going and I'm hanging the dress and it's before the ceremony and a big gust of wind comes and knocks the dress off the hanger and it lands in a pile of mud, that would be so horrific. I, would, I don't know what I would do. But contractually, I'm safe. Now, would I offer to pay for the dress? Absolutely. Or to get it dry cleaned or somehow remedy the situation on the wedding day. I don't know if there's anything you could do, but, uh, but contractually I'm safe, right? So having that experience of going wedding to wedding and, and sometimes my contract flexes, you know, when I want it to. So for example, in my contract, I have that I will eat the same meal as the bride and groom. Sometimes I shoot a wedding and, you know, I don't get the same meal as the bride and groom. I get a turkey sandwich that's cold and it's a really nice venue and it's a really nice wedding. The couple's amazing. They've had a great attitude all day. The planner's awesome. You know what? It's cool. I'll eat the turkey sandwich. I'm not going to like go to them and be like, I need my steak, you know, mashed potatoes. It's, it's cool. I'm flexible. I'm human. I'll go grab a water burger after it's, it's fine. So, um, there's some certain things I flex on like that, you know, um, What are are some of the other things that you have kind of added in over the years as you've, I'm assuming that's probably like experience based, like, oh, I've come across this thing a few times or like, oh, I never want this to happen again. Totally. Um, Never give out raws. Never what? Give out raws. Oh yeah. yeah. Never, ever give out raws. 
that's all I'll say about that. But that's, uh, that was a point of contention in some other, in this photographer I knew, uh, his, uh, poor experience with a client. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just never, never give out the raws. Um, and that's built in my contract. It wasn't before cause it was just implied. Like in my contract, it was images are delivered in a JPEG format and, but it didn't say no Ross. Mm. So there's kind of this gray area where yes, contractually I'm, you're only getting your files in JPEG. Okay. Here's your files, but they want them in raw. Okay. Well, I'm not going to give them to you in raw. I know you're not going to go re edit. No, my we're work not going to re edit my work. No way. Um, so kind of having to be stubborn and okay, but let's, let's be clear though. Like let's make the contract as clear and, mm-hmm. um, as possible. So the Ross thing in there, um, uh, album, album late fees. So like when I make, I make these amazing wedding albums for my clients and, um, you know, when I deliver the first revision or the first proof of that album, um, you know, they have like three weeks to like make changes online in the, in the cloud software we use. And, you know, sometimes, uh, I can't, you know, it'll, four weeks will come up and Hey, shoot him a reminder email. Hey, just a reminder. This is like one week late. We really want to move this album along for you. Could you like, please make some revisions and then it'll be two or three weeks more. And now we're at six, seven weeks. And then you got to kind of be like, Hey, can we, can we, we got to move this along. And then there's been a few times where I've had to like enforce a late fee. Like guys, come on, we can't have this album sitting for four months or five months in the revision portal. We got to like get it moving. This is messing up my books a little bit. <laughs> you know, I've got this fifteen, sixteen hundred dollar wedding album that I, I need you to, we need to move this along. So, um, yeah. Album, album late fees. That's yeah. a, that's one. Okay. Yeah. So anything else? Anything else you can think of? Uh, anything else? Uh, um, no, I mean, most of it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's, you know, um, yeah. Over, over, overages with hours. Like I mean, because some of this rate. stuff, like people, like for us, we might seem like it's more commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. I would but, say, um, I mean, the basic contract, you know, is going to really deal with, you know, your rights and what, what they get. Right. So like what happens if, what happens if I'm, not able to show up to a wedding because of inclement weather or what if I'm not able to show up to a wedding because my family member, like someone in my immediate family has passed away. Um, you know, that's all very clearly explained. Like, Hey, if immediate family member dies, I'm going to give you a call. I'm going to find someone to substitute at my discretion with your approval. And if you're good with it, then great. If not, then, you know, there's not really a, um, I mean, I'm going to make every effort, right? Like, like I'm you're going to do what you can, right. Yeah. But they can't come like sue you for not showing up on your wedding, on their wedding day because like someone in my family died happened. and I gave them options and they didn't like the options, multiple options. Right. Um, it's stressful enough finding someone to shoot a wedding the day of a wedding. Especially somebody that's going to be like really good and, and, yeah, and totally be on par with what you were going to do. Exactly. Because anybody that's, for the most part, somebody that's going to be that good is not going to be available yeah, last minute. Can be booked sure. out. Yep, exactly. So it's it's really a hail mary at that point, trying to find someone. But that's never happened, thankfully. I mean, when I when I um, when June, my daughter was going to be born. I, I had her due date was I think the um, the twenty third, yeah, twenty third of February, and I had a wedding the weekend before, and I had a wedding the weekend after, and so you know, I don't know if you know how due dates work, but they're never really correct. So you're either early <laughs> or you're late and it was causing me a lot of stress. So when we, 
found out we were pregnant, I called these clients and I just said, Hey, here's, here's the situation. You know, your wedding is here and this is where our due date is. And I gave them an out. I said, Hey, you know, you guys can totally like, this is eight months out. So you guys can, you know, we can cancel the contract and go find someone else to shoot your wedding. Like no harm, no hard feelings, or we can like keep this plan in place. You can roll the dice and I will have a second, I have had a second for each of those weddings, second shooter, and I'll line up a third shooter. So if this, I'm, I'm, I'm dipping out and my wife goes into labor, the second shooter will step in as the first shooter, which it was Sean for both of those. He's amazing. So, so yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to be amazing. <laughs> he's a first shooter. You know, I would shoot for him all day. So uh, he's now a first shooter. And then a second shooter would kind of slide over and take his second shooting role. And they were like, no, we want to keep, we want to keep you as our first. So, okay, great. Thankful for it. But it kind of, uh, it was, it was stressful. And, and so the 16th wedding, I was in Austin. I like drove down on the 16th, shot the wedding. My wife was like having some like pre-labor signs. So I hauled back. I got in at like 3 a.m. back to Fort Worth. And then she starts going into labor, uh, like that night. <laughs> wow. I know. Right. So, so you just made it back. I basically. just made it back, uh, to, uh, yeah. And then she, we, she gave birth to June that night. So, um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So then you didn't end up having to, to bail. No, I didn't bail. Yeah. That's cool. That's I was, good. I was exhausted. I uh, believe it. It was, it was, but it was amazing. So it's probably a little primer for what it was going to be like the first few months of having a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What I hear. Well, thankfully she's sleeping through the night three months in. So we've been, that's good. we've been rested and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's props all to, all to Lane for the sleep schedule and all that. She's a pro. So, um. uh, so with the, I guess let's talk kind of a pricing wise on. Yeah, totally. I'd, I'd be interested on both the wedding photography or any like photography stuff, and then also for your studio stuff. How do you, <coughs> how do you figure out what your pricing needs to be? Yeah, that's like what kind of things are you taking into consideration? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's hard because, you know, when you price yourself, what, what you think you're worth and what the market says you're worth can often be two different things. Um, and I think a lot of wedding photographers tend to, to price themselves lower than they should. I think, I think every wedding photographer should bump their prices a little bit. I think it would be good for the industry. And I think we would all be happier because of it. Um, you know, you get paid a little bit more and it increases like the value of a wedding photographer because, you know, in these days, every, everyone is not everyone, but most people trying to make a decent living in weddings are, are, are trying to, to beat other wedding photographers to book that wedding. So I see a lot of wedding photographers, you know, negotiating pricing and, and yeah, oh yeah, your weddings in, in, you know, Iceland, I'll, I'll just do it for travel, which I think is okay in some circumstances, but a lot of wedding photographers that I've talked to and mentored, they're, they're just wanting to, to just book the wedding at the expense of maybe they're losing money even on the wedding. And so, um, I think when I price myself, when I start was starting out, it was kind of like, okay, what is everyone else at my skill level charging? And, um, let's go a little lower than that. Right. Cause I want to book this, what these weddings, I want to build my portfolio. Um, but I don't know if that's always the best approach. I think it would be a more you know sustainable approach to, to shoot more weddings, to, to become more experienced upfront, to, to invest your time into shooting for people and maybe taking a wedding or two of your own and, and let your value come from your experience, you know, and then charge your charge what you're actually worth. Um, rather than just kind of shooting weddings for 500 bucks or 800 bucks. Um, because what you'll find is, you know, when you start shooting weddings for that and you're starting to lose money, then it's no longer, 
something you're doing out of creative passion. It's doing, you're doing it out of duress, you know, you're doing it cause you're desperate, which, you know, creativity and, and desperation don't mix well together. <laughs> if you've ever been under pressure as yeah. a creative person and, and fearful, not under pressure in the, in a good way where it's, you know, I like pressure. Pressure is good. It can be really it, good. It can be really good. But not but, fearful pressure. But not fearful pressure. Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, I started out like 1600 bucks is what I shot my first wedding for. So a pretty good chunk of change for someone shooting their wedding for the first time, but shooting a first wedding, but I had shot, you know, I don't know how many weddings with Ryan and shot with Sean and, um, because Sean's been in the game way longer than I have. So, uh, but I shot with Sean, I shot with some other people and I did a mentor session and I did, I mean, I just invested all of my time and, and energy into learning about wedding photography and, and building my portfolio and shooting, you know, um, finding couples that I really, that I knew on campus and saying, Hey, can I go shoot photos of you guys for an hour and just build my portfolio? You're going to get free photos out of this. And, and it's important to kind of, you know, AB test that and, and, and know what works, what doesn't work and try some different. Yeah. Anyways. So as far as pricing goes, that's how I started out. And then, you know, I just kind of notched it up from there. It's, it's a slow, it's a slow burn. So as you shoot more weddings, you know, increase your pricing. Um, every few months or every half year and yeah. What, a, I mean, as far as the, you said, it, you mentioned something about, well, you know, instead of charging less, get more experience, mm -hmm. but then how would I do that if I am not able to book the weddings and I'm like lowering my prices to book the weddings? Yeah. I think and that's where it comes down to second shooting more, you know? Um, I think, I think second shooting is like one of the best cause you're getting paid for it too. You know, I don't, I don't think it's really wise to second shoot for free unless it's a photographer you love and they, they like the client hasn't paid for a second shooter and you're just wanting to assist and the, you know, if the photographer's making money off of a second shooter and they're not paying you to be a second shooter, that's different than like the clients paid for a second shooter and yeah, you're getting paid to be a second yeah, shooter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was mixing up my thoughts and my words. It's okay. Um, but I think second shooting is super valuable. I think it'll build your portfolio, build, you know, experience as a wedding photographer is everything. So knowing what to do when, you know, things go wrong, knowing what to do when things go right, how to handle people, manage those relationships. Um, I think you can start out at a pretty reasonable price. If you've, if you've second shot enough weddings and maybe first shot some weddings at a, reasonable price, you know, and shoot, shoot a few weddings and, um, yeah, up your rates. So, so if I wanted, and if I, if I wanted to start doing that in second shooting, if mm -hmm. I'm somebody that's like, Hey, I'm a photographer, I'm interested in doing wedding stuff. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how to, how do I get these second shooting yeah. gigs? I would say reach out to like, reach out to some photographers local in your area, you know, I think, and, and build relationships. I think there's value in, in not I, I, like me personally, I'm not like looking for a ton of second shooters right now, but if someone approached me and they emailed me multiple times instead of just once and said, Hey, let me know. And then they, and I said no. And then they followed up six months later and said, let me know if you got any opportunities available. I'd be like, okay, you know, this person's got some drive. Like they, they want to grow and they want experience. Maybe I'll throw them a bone and yeah. not like I'm this like coveted, you know, main photographer or anything, but like, I think persistence and, um, you know, is there anything particular that you're looking that like, say if somebody was hitting you up and you were, yeah, totally. and you were looking at, are there, are there any things that you look for in a, a potential second shooter that you go, yep, I'm down to bring them on or like, nah, they need some more work or kind of, I think the, the biggest thing, like I'm 
here's the thing with second shooters, I, I use their photos, but it, sometimes I don't as much. That's not to say I don't ever use a second shooter, but I, I actually call them creative assistants. So I don't call them second shooters in my business because oftentimes they're helping me more with creative things rather than actually adding value to the wedding day portfolio. So, um, for example, I do this thing called after dark portraits. It's with all my couples. So it's kind of my signature sauce where I'll take my couple out for like 20 minutes during the dance party when they really need a break or when they're sweaty or they're like, I'm so tapped out. I've been talking to people for three hours and I just need a break and I will go take them. I'll find a location on site at the venue or the reception and I'll shoot these crazy experimental, almost, creative, like I was talking about earlier, those creative portraits do for like 20 minutes and they think it is the coolest thing. And couples ask for it now. I've done it for about a year and some change and actually get people that reach out on their inquiry form. And they'll say, Hey, I want to do these creative portraits. Can we make sure we do these on a wedding day? So it, it is kind of morphed into this um, voice of my, you know, of my brand that people actually want now, rather than it being something that I'm just shooting for, for myself. Right. And I think shooting for yourself is really important on a wedding day too. Um, your question was what? Oh yeah. Second, second shooter. Shooters, yeah. So, uh, as far as a, a second shooter or a creative assistant goes, you know, having someone that's just got a good attitude that's helpful that shows up in their dress professionally, you know, a lot of the weddings I shoot are, are more expensive weddings. And so, you know, showing up in, in jeans and a something jeans and Nikes is not going to like cut it for me. Uh, they, you know, they show up professional, they're on time, just little things like, they're, they're ready to help. They have a great attitude they have a smile on their face goes a lot of times goes farther than there's this amazing photographer, but yet they're a Grinch the whole wedding. You know? Right. Um, because a lot of, you know, going back to what I said, a lot of my clients care about the relationship. So that's, that's what my business hinges on. So my second shooters, you know, therefore should, you know, exude that type of joy, that type of relationship, that type of desire, even if they're never going to see the couple again, which is how most second shooters are, right? You shoot a wedding, you never, you don't even know the couple's names right? a year from now. So, <laughs> or um, even maybe an hour, or, or yeah, an hour, you're like, <laughs> what was their name? I'm I don't done. Know. I'm never going to see them again. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So all to say, I think just someone showing up with a really great attitude and, um, a desire to learn and like being willing to ask questions on a wedding day at the right time is, is like encouraging to me as a lead photographer. If a second shooter pulls me aside and says, Hey, can you like, what would you do here? Or, you know, what, what lens are you using? Or what are you thinking through when you're about to do this first look? Not when the first look is going on. Right, right, right. Like when there's, when there's some downtime. Some downtime. Yeah. There, that does happen. Yeah. It's not always like go, go, go the whole time. Totally. Yeah. There's some downtime. So, you know, that, that shows me that they're like willing to learn and, you know, I think it's important for all of us to mm-hmm. ask, ask questions. You mm-hmm. know. So then with pricing stuff with the studio, mm-hmm. how do you figure out with that, what kind of what rates need to be and what's also going to be included? Yeah, totally. So, um, we, we charge 70 an hour for the front room and 80 an hour for the back room. Um, but you know, that obviously you get discount, uh, discounted rate, the more hours you book. So right. like a, like a full day, like 10 hours in the back room, I think it's five fifty. So you discounted from 800 to five fifty if you book a full room, uh, at the rate, you know, that we charge for the back room. So, um, figuring that out, you know, really for me, it's like a, a break even point of <laughs> what's my basic, uh, you know, expenses. And then, from there, 
how do I, how do I meet those? And, um, thankfully like Topo Chico sponsors us now. So we have like an official sponsorship with them, which is wow. really, really amazing. So, um, they've taken really good care of us and West Elm is a sponsor. So we, we get furniture changed out from them every three months. And then another local uh, business called the Greenhouse 817. So they're, uh, they, they do plants and they do, you know, cactus and amazing, uh, botanicals. So they're located here in Fort Worth and they do all of our plants and our spaces. So, um, we have some pretty amazing partners, which we're thankful for. Um, that helps kind of add value to the space. Aside from that though, like I was talking about earlier, you know, having creative tools on site, Apple boxes, extension cords, clamps, hooks, uh, quasar tubes, multiple C stands in each room, uh, amazing parking. We have 70 spaces right outside of our, our, our space. So you can bring anyone and everyone. It's all lit at night. We have dumpsters that are three steps away that are clean. Like relatively clean dumpsters. So all that like adds value, right? To the space, um, 3,300 square feet total between the two rooms. So we do small events, we do some pop-ups, we do, we hosted this, we're hosting a rave on Wednesday. So, I mean, it's going to be sweet. So, um, yeah, we just want to make the space a, a creative, um, asset for people that they don't have to bring C stands when they show up here, right? Yeah. They don't have to bring sandbags. We have 20 sandbags that we don't have to bring Bluetooth speakers or, you know, rolling backdrops or, uh, not rolling backdrops, but paper backdrops that we have included. So, um, so that's all kind of stuff and you're like taking all that into kind of consideration too, I guess, as far as like cost of that. Yep. When I price all that out. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and AC is expensive. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine <sighs> when August comes around, it's like, oh man, it's my expensive. Bill, yeah. My electricity bill at my place. I mean, it doubles or triples in the summer yeah. usually from, I mean, there's certain times of the year I yeah. don't need to run it like at yeah, all. Totally. And then summer, it's like full blast all it's the like, time. Uh, yeah. And in a space this big, it's not, you know, it's not a cheap Mm-mm. bill to, so it all, we take all that into consideration, you know? But then do you, I mean, do, are you accounting for, like, how do you account for like, well, I might not have every day booked. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. there. And that's where I think, you know, how I'm strategizing is how do I make the space work for me and my business? You know, firstly, um, this is something Sean always says is, you know, protect your first baby. So I'm, I'm protecting green angels photography first. That is my main revenue in, you know, stream. That is what is paying my bills. And so how do I protect that first, but how do I make the dark room work for green angels photography? Well, I have this amazing space, which is available. Almost spilled your coffee. That was risky. Uh, how do I make the darkroom work for great needles photography is that I have this space, which it's not booked every day. So what can I start doing in a space that is going to help me a pivot from weddings? Cause I don't want to shoot weddings for 50 years. And then B, uh, provide value for clients that are non-wedding clients. So for example, food photography today, I'm doing the shoot for, for melt, they local ice cream. Amazing. Mm. So good. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's on Magnolia and they have one in Sunday square and one in, uh, Bishop arts now next to Enos. Oh, okay. so if you're in Dallas, Dallas listeners, <laughs> right. go By check it out. I drive all the time. It's really amazing. So, um, I'm doing a shoot for them today and also doing a shoot for La Madeline today. So we've got like 30 dishes that are being, being delivered and we're going to just set up the studio all day and just shoot these dishes. Um, so it's not anything wedding related and the dark room is not being used. So how do I make it work for me? You know? And, uh, is that kind of your question? Yeah. 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 That's cool, man. Uh, 
what you mentioned the stuff with the Topo Chica that you got Topo Chica sponsorship and West Elm sponsorship and, yeah. and Green Room A one seven you said uh, Greenhouse yeah Greenhouse A one seven how do you how did you orchestrate that stuff yeah relationships right. so um, yeah the the West Elm uh, connection was uh, I know the manager at West Elm so I just approached him pitched him said hey I think this is a value add for you guys I think it's valuable for us what do you think about changing out of furniture every three months all right, let's do it. He was on board immediately, which I was really thankful for. And then the Topo was, I got put in touch with their their rep and just kind of pitched him and said, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why it's unique to Fort Worth. You know, would you be interested in, in partnering on this? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. So um, really thankful for those. And then Greenhouse obviously is local. So I love supporting local. You know, West Elm and Topo aren't as local, uh, but Greenhouse 817 is. So and uh, Derek, the owner, is really, really kind. So she was, she was gracious and threw us a bone on that one. That's so, cool. And yeah. I guess from that, they're getting stuff out of it with you. Like they're getting exposure to all yeah. of people that come through. Of, hey, here's where we get the plants. Hey, here's where we get the furniture. Obviously, okay. you've got Topo in your hand yep. and in your belly. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, you probably post it online, like social and tag yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. and all that, right? Yeah, and it's, it's two-way, right? Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sitting in greenhouse, you know, files of when I post on you know, Instagram and I'll just drop it in Dropbox and then now they have, you know, access to that visual asset for their social Mm -hmm. media or for whatever. So, um, it's valuable for them. And then everyone asks where the furniture is from, like you said. So I hope that it helps, you know, West Elm. I hope that it helps Topo and Greenhouse and, um, that we have this huge fiddle. It's it's about a nine foot fiddly fig in, in the back room, which if you know things about fiddles, they're expensive, A, so I couldn't afford it. And then B, uh, they're really sensitive and yep. it takes a long time for them yep. to grow, um, that big. So it's a really cool kind of like staple piece to the back room. Those are what a hundred, couple hundred bucks. Usually uh, it's, like, like that. it's like 500 bucks for that fiddle probably at least. So Golly. Not, no, not, not at least I'm not, I'm not a botanist. I don't know. I, I have just started getting into plants the last couple of years. I don't really know a whole lot about them at this point, but I have a couple that I've been taking pretty good care of the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, dude, they're hard to take care of. I don't have a green thumb, so they sent us this full sheet. It was just amazing when we got all the plants. They they wrote out all like a complete document of how to take care of them, like, like how much each light one they individually, need. Like this one needs leaf this. shine, which we have had, had to buy, and it's like you put it on a paper towel, and you can like shine the leaves, and the plants will respond to it and really? get, real, get real happy. Yeah, the like the leaves will, will like raise up after you uh, shine the leaves because they love being clean. It's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah, plants are plants are amazing. That makes me want to go home and clean mine. And yeah, see what yeah. Happens. You should. Leaf shine. I'll send you my affiliate link. Okay. Okay. Yes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but what if? <laughs> uh, man, I feel like there's a couple other things I was going to ask you about. Let's see here. Uh, oh, yeah. You mentioned you're shooting for Melton LaMadeline. Yeah. How did you, is this, is this like just pitch project or speculative work or are you actually being hired for this? Yeah. So LaMadeline uh, is actual. Actual, actual work, which is exciting. So um, I went through kind of an agency to, to get that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good. So, um, yeah, it's pretty self I mean, we're shooting like, um, it's kind of through uh, DoorDash, through LaMadeline. So, um, yeah, they're, DoorDash like constantly is trying to build out their, their menus. So mm-hmm. I shoot a lot for DoorDash. So I kind of go all over and we'll pick up dishes and bring them back to the studio and photograph them. And then they'll have, uh, yeah, dishes that are beautiful. So when someone pulls up DoorDash, they can see one of my photos. So a lot of That's Dallas cool. restaurants and how did, how did you, 
develop the relationship to start getting those jobs. Yeah. I think, um, it's really like, it's the networking piece of it, right? Like mm-hmm. I, there's not a lot of random jobs that are like coming into my inbox. So when you, when you find someone that is in a creative agency world or, um, you know, one of my friends, um, Louise is, uh, works for Sovic her he owns Sovic design here in, um, Fort Worth. And, uh, we're friends outside of being, you know, uh, a business relationship, but, uh, he, one of his clients is TCU. And so, uh, he, he had been, we'd grabbed lunch and he'd said, you know, TCU's visuals just, I think need some help. So what, what I did was I said, Hey, what if we just like gave them an hour? Like, let's just, ask for an hour for TC basketball and we'll just shoot it and see where it goes. And so we, I guess three months ago, September. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. Uh, through about three months. September. Yeah. Um, they were like, yeah, sure. So it was right before the season started and we just set up in, you know, the, the TCU basketball court brought all my gear in and we shot for an hour and just cranked it out. And then I have this amazing, you know, variety of photos of basketball players creative and then just like on white stuff um to show tcu and so pitching tcu is like if you can pull up the photo i shot versus maybe what they have or what they've had in the past or not saying what they have is not good right now but um yeah it's just like those types of projects where we can be as collaborative where you kind of work for free but you kind of hope you get something out of it Mm -hmm. but it's still you know something you're passionate about like i would love to shoot you know, sport, you know, sports photography, portraiture, you know, that would be amazing. Um, kind of like what Sean Barry does, like his stuff's awesome. Oh my gosh, dude, his work is, he is, he has gone to another level the last few years. So then I'm guessing, is that relationship, did that ultimately lead to the DoorDash stuff? Uh, so that wasn't DoorDash. That was actually through, uh, Snapwire. So they, they do like, um, custom photo requests to like an agency that, um, when you reach a certain like level, I guess, I don't know if it's level or how they point system or something, they'll reach out to that level of photographers and they'll have like LaMadeline will like hire DoorDash or I guess DoorDash pays for LaMadeline. I don't know how it, I don't know how it works behind the scenes, but DoorDash will approach Snapwire, Snapwire will contract me and then I'll go through Snapwire He'll give it to DoorDash. He'll give it to Lamont. So Snapwire, uh, like a uh, like a, a photographer, like, like a, a rep, yeah, it's rep like a photographer kinda. rep. I don't, I don't really. They're like more of like a stock agency that like it's a really unique model. They do like stock photography, but they also do custom requests. So like if I was a like a bakery and I needed photos of my baked goods, I could hire Snapwire, and Snapwire would like send out this lead to all of their photographers. And based on location, if you were available, you could like either apply to shoot it or agree to shoot it. And some of the requests are like application based. So, and the application is like clicking a button saying, I apply to shoot this. So sometimes it'll be like a really big job for, I don't know, Adidas, right? And then you can like apply to shoot if you are on that level with Snapwire, but they have, you know, I think thousands of members. I don't know how many, but, um, I don't know how many get the biggest jobs, but at the end of the day, there's only one. So I think it's location based mostly. Okay. Or they're like, Hey, we have this, you know, energy drink company they need. Here's, here's the project brief. We have, we need, you know, 40 final shots, three different setups, a track mountains and a beach. So for me that I can't do meat mountains or beach. So I'm pretty much out on that one. 
but someone on the West coast could be like, yeah, I'm, I'm by mountains and a beach. I could shoot that and access to like some diversity and like all, you know, those project requirements and they would like apply to shoot it. And then they would have a timeline. Like you have to get it done in three weeks or you have to get it done in four weeks or this is, this, we need this in three days. So it's really unique in the sense that you're like working with, you're not working with a human really. Like yeah. you're working with Snapwire, but it's pretty straightforward. It's really enjoyable work. Like Snapwire is really easy to work with. How did you get involved with them? Is it just, you just it's apply? Like yeah, you like go and sign up, make an account online. And, and then what is, with the level, you mentioned there's like, kind yeah, of based on whatever level I you're think at. they've changed you know? like how they give out jobs now because when I signed up, I got like a few big jobs from them that were like pretty substantial and then that like leveled me up to like the pro, <laughs> the highest level. So based on like the payout of what you, you know, the, the price of the job will determine how many points you get. For whatever reason, I got these big jobs and it like leveled me up. So now I get like first, not first dips, but I get some of the larger projects in my email. But typically, you know, it's like Google will, you know, reach out to Snapwire and they'll say, you know, we need these a thousand locations photographed. It's $25 each. And you have to like apply for those uh, individually or, you know, there'll be like a project request, like uh, a photo of a man walking on the moon. And then everyone, there's like six thousand people that will like submit a photo of a man walking on the moon and it's worth $50. And then like whoever that client is will like select one photo and, okay. and they'll, that person will get the $50. Okay. So it's like a lot of like, it's almost like a competition. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds but, me of uh 99 designs. Yeah. Yeah. Like 99, kind of yeah. Bit of photography almost. So, but they're, it's like, they have like kind of two business models. They have that one where it's everyone submits photos, the client picks one or two, and then they have the other side, which is they send out custom requests. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know anyone else that's ever worked for them. So, uh, I've never heard of them before, before now. I'm going to don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> don't steal my requests. <laughs> so the model, the model, the Madeline thing came out of that. Okay. Um, and then the melt is, Carrie and Mark are own melt and they're great friends of mine and where it's more of like a collaboration right now, but they need help too with photography. Like they, their photography is awesome. Like their feed's great. Carrie's an ex wedding photographer. So she shot wedding, I think weddings. Yeah. Weddings and portraits. And now she owns an amazing ice cream shop. So great example of someone that's, that's pivoted and yeah. um, they, it's, they're amazing. So it's cool, man. Well, dude, it's been fun having you. Is there, before we wrap, is there anything that I haven't talked about that you feel like is important to or things that you think people should know or yeah, want to no, share? That's, that's cool, man. Um, I, I think the, as I was like thinking about our time and just what, we, what we've been talking about, I think the idea of rest is really important. Um, as a creative person, like what does that look like to rest um, and to not only physically rest, but emotionally rest? Because being an entrepreneur and being someone that's a freelancer can be just so exhausting and so draining and it's easy to to feel like you're doing good things um and things that are working for you but not really choosing to listen to what your body and your mind needs and um you know i think resting is really important so whether that looks like just getting away for a few days and going get in the mountains and unplug and do some self-care or you know getting a good night of sleep or saying no is often one of the best things you can do, you know, well, cause by saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else, mm-hmm. whether that's time with friends or, you know, I've missed how many graduations and birthdays cause I'm shooting weddings. So would I have gone back and changed that? Maybe not. Maybe 
I don't know if I have enough time in my day to think about all those decisions, but just thinking about what it, what it's like to really rest and, and recharge. Um, we live in, you know, America, so go, go, go. And you don't take time to, to breathe and to rest. So, um, it's just important for yeah. mental health and you know, self Did you ever hit a burnout point that made you kind of start to realize that or? Um, I think, I, did. I think I've redlined a few times. Yeah. When we were opening the dark room, that was, that was tough. Like I was, and I was doing it by myself. I didn't have a studio manager Oof. or, and I was letting reservations in and shooting weddings and we were pregnant. I mean, it was just, it was tough, man. So, um, I think in my mind, I, I'm always profit first. Like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, how do I maximize profit? How do I maximize how do I keep most of my money right here? And I think it's important to, to realize the value in delegating and the value in outsourcing and, you know, hiring someone was the best thing for me. It's expensive, but it's so important because by hiring someone, I get some of my life back. I get to be with my family more and I make less money. But to me, like I said earlier, money is an amazing tool, but a terrible God. And so you can use it to do some amazing things for the world and you can change lives with it. But it's it's no good if you, I don't know, it's easy to get sucked in as a wedding photographer, I think, to just idolize money and finances and um, success and yeah. leveling up. And it's I, not everything. It's Yeah, it's not good. I've, I, I have been very blessed and very fortunate uh, financially over the last few years and been able to do a lot of things that I like mm, and awesome, get man. like a lot of toys that are fun, <laughs> but it's awesome. It doesn't, I mean, dude, kind of like along the same way, like it just doesn't really like do it for me. Yeah. And it's, I feel like it's the age old story that we've all heard over and over and over. Oh, I had everything. I had all this stuff. And it's just like at the end of the day, I feel like we as humans, we all kind of keep coming back to this central thing of relationships and like connections with other people and that, that putting that kind of at the forefront versus money or work or these other things really benefits in every way totally so yeah yeah money's it's it's tricky you know <laughs> uh, well dude thank you for going on man yeah man for sure thanks fun. for having me yeah it's, it's been fun to talk and where uh, uh where can people find your work and your studio yeah so online. my work uh grantdanielsphotography.com and my Instagram is at Grant Daniels. And then uh, the studio, the darkroom, is the darkroomfw.com. It's for Fort Worth. And the same for the Insta handle. So the darkroomfw. And so we rent, rent out the darkroom hourly. And uh, we'd love to have anyone and everyone that wants to come create in our space. Thanks so much, man. Yeah. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in to yet another episode of Freelance Friday. As always, it's done for you. And so if there's anything that you would like to hear, there's anything in any of these interviews you're like, man, I really wish you would have talked about this thing. Let me know. Cause that's the only way that I know what to talk about on this stuff is cause really it's for you. You know, it's not about me. It's not about us. It's just about helping you in your journey. Uh, and so you can let me know uh, that stuff either through Instagram or you can email me at freelance Friday at vacacy.com or you can leave a rating and a review wherever you found this podcast uh, whatever it is, I look forward to it and look forward to being with you again next time. Freelance Friday is a Vacacy production. Vacacy is a freelance content creator based in the United States and available worldwide. Vacacy. 
Big production value, freelance agility and scale. 